We now find ourselves this morning in the um, final, fourth of a four-week series uh, called Advocate. Uh, Francis Chan, in his, in his fine book called Forgotten God, said this, and we uh, started with this uh, four weeks ago now. We are not all we were made to be when everything in our lives and in our church can be explained apart from the work and presence of the Spirit of God. That we are not all that we are made to be, that you are not all you were made to be when everything in your life and in our church can be explained apart from the very supernatural work of the very presence of Almighty God. That that's, we're not living to our fullest potential. We're not living as God has intended us to be if we live our lives and our lives can be explained away based on what we find in our daytimers, what we find in our self-help manuals and in our magazines that we see and the, the things that we find in HGTV. And so we decided that it was worthy of our time to take four weeks to spend time thinking about and asking God to open our eyes to the reality of his spirit who's at work within us. And so that, that week, four weeks ago, what we asked, what we studied together is, who is, we asked, who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do? Who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do? And followed, following along with that, then, then the next week, then we looked at what it means for us to walk in the Spirit or to keep in step with the Spirit or, if you like, to be in sync with the Spirit of God who's at work within us. So we explored who the Spirit is and what the work of the Spirit is in our world. And then we, we examined together what it would be like for us to be in step with, to be in sync with, to walk alongside the Spirit as he does his work in our world. And last week, we explored together what it looks like if we are out of sync with the Spirit of God. We explored together what it is for us to be able to grieve the very Spirit of God. And the opposite of grieving the Spirit of God then would be that we are filled with the Spirit of God. That we understand what it is to live lives that are filled with His presence, that are filled with his spirit. And so that's where we'll spend our time together this morning. What does it actually mean for us to be filled with the spirit of God? What does that mean for us? What does that look like for our lives? But I want to begin with a different question, and I want to begin with this particular question, and that is, why should we desire to be filled with the spirit of God? This morning, why should you come here and you say, well, okay, I should, we're going to talk about being filled with the spirit. Why should you desire such a thing? Why is that something that we should give our time and attention to during this morning hour? Well, Ephesians chapter 5 will be our text for this morning, verses 15 to 21 specifically. If you have a Bible, I would invite you to turn there. If you don't have a Bible and you would like to follow along, I would also encourage you to turn there. We have a Bible for you in the pew back in front of you, and you can uh, find this reading there, Ephesians chapter 5, or you can just Google it on your mobile device of choice, and you'll be able to find Ephesians chapter 5 verses 15 to 21. Let me read those verses for us this morning, and then we'll have a brief prayer and get to the work. Ephesians 5, verse 15. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead 
be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always give, giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Amen. Father, we now come and ask that you by your spirit will illumine your word in our hearts and our minds and our lives. For it would be an act of the greatest foolishness if we thought to think about and desired to understand the filling of your spirit without coming and asking for this, the very help of the spirit of truth. And so we come asking and we come with expectant hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So then the question is, why desire to be filled with the Spirit? Why is that something on this day and this morning that we should desire, that we should be thinking about? And Paul tells us here, quite plainly and straightforwardly, why is it that we should want to be filled with the Spirit? He says, because verse 15, you need to be careful how you live because you don't want to live a life that is unwise, but you want to live a life that is wise. You want to make the most of every opportunity because the days in which we live in are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And then he goes on and says, be filled with the Spirit. So why is it that he says we ought to be filled with the Spirit? Because you, you, you want to live a life that is wise. Because you want to make the most of every opportunity. Because you recognize that the circumstances in which we live our lives are complex and even evil, he says. And we want to know what the will of God is for our lives in these days. Why is it that we should desire the will of or the, the Spirit of God, the filling of the Spirit of God? Because we want to be, live wise. Because we want to do the will of God. Because we want to make the most of our days, don't we? I don't know a person who you talk to who says, you know what, I just want to waste my life away. I just want to, I just don't want to, I don't want to be recognized. I don't want to have an impact. I don't want to be significant. I just want, I just can't wait for every day just to disappear because I just hope to waste my entire life. None of us want that. We long that we might have lives of opportunity, that we might live lives of significance, that we might live lives of importance. And those who are people of faith say, indeed, not only that, but I want to follow the very will of God for my life. And Paul says, do you want to follow the will of God? Do you want to have significance? Do you want to live a life that's worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Then be filled with the Spirit. This week I was having lunch with a friend of mine and we had a lunch a few weeks ago, and we were having lunch again, and the, the, I noticed a remark to him, because a couple of weeks ago when we had lunch, then we were eating, and he, he made a special effort to say on his meal that he wanted avocado, and I said, oh, I thought you weren't eating avocados. He said, well, now I am eating avocados. I said, oh, why are you now eating avocados? This is deep conversation we have over lunch. Why are you now eating avocados from Mexico? Um, he said, because I found out it helps my metabolism. I didn't think it helped my metabolism, but I've been studying my metabolism, and now it helps my metabolism. I said, oh, I thought it was fattening. He said, no. Well, yes, but no. I said, oh, okay. And then we moved on to something far more significant. Well, now we're having lunch this past week, and then we were having lunch, and he says, how was your meal? I said, it was fine. I said, how was your meal? He says, well, there was rice in there, and I'm not eating rice right now. I said, well, why are you not eating rice right now? Well, it doesn't work very well for my metabolism. I said, what's up with you and your metabolism? What is the deal? 
He says, well, I, clearly I have someone who, according to Paul, is very careful about how he's living, or at least how he's eating, because he wants to have this metabolism. He looks great. I, I don't. It's whatever, you know. It's because he pays attention to avocados and rice. He's very careful because apparently rice is evil in these days. I don't know. But he's giving careful attention to his life, but even more so, if we give such careful attention to our diet, how much more? careful attention should we give into the way in which we live our lives that has to do with eternal and spiritual matters there's a there is a missionary a British missionary he is also a, also a cricketer um, has a cool name but he was by the he's late 1800s early 1900s uh, missionary from 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 Britain and his name was C.T. Studd some of you may know that isn't that an awesome name I wish I was C.T. Studd um, people would be like hello Pastor Studd I said you're right you know, that would just be so cool. Um, but he wrote a poem, and it was called One Life. And after every stanza, there was this common refrain. One life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. One life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Thank you, Pastor Stud. Because it's true. Why should we desire to be filled with the Spirit? Because you have one life and it will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last. So we desire that we may live a life that is wise and not unwise, that we live a life that is connected to and in fulfilling of the very will of God for our lives. I suggest to you that's a worthy reason for us to study this filling of the Spirit this morning, don't you? So then, what does it mean for us to be filled with the Spirit? Verse 18, Paul says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Several weeks ago, four, four weeks ago to be exact, we had a definition that I borrowed from Tim Keller, a pastor uh, now retired in New York City, and this was his definition of being filled with the Spirit. He said, To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to have your life transformed by an acute consciousness of the glorious person that lives permanently within the walls of your life. To be filled with the Spirit is to have your life transformed by the acute consciousness of the glorious person that is permanently within the walls of your life. You have the glorious person of the Holy Spirit that, is at, at, that lives and resides in the walls of your life and therefore ought to change the way in which you live. And that's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. And Paul tries to be able to help us understand this, and he does this by way of comparison. And he starts by, being, by, by explaining, or at least talking about, what it means to be filled with alcohol, or be, to be filled, or to be drunk on wine, as he says. What happens when someone gets drunk? This is not a and a I'm not asking for your input. You could all have stories, I'm sure. But they slowly, when a person gets drunk, when a person comes under the influence of alcohol, or is filled with alcohol, they come under the influence of alcohol. And alcohol, of course, is a depressant. The influence of alcohol depresses a person's ability to see and interact with reality, doesn't it? The, as someone continually comes under the more and more of the influence of alcohol, then they have a continued depressed ability to interact properly and to see properly reality that is around them. 
as someone comes under the influence of alcohol, their behavior begins to change. They begin to lose their inhibitions. A person begins to feel a freedom, if you like, that they didn't once feel. Uh, a person often, you know, has their emotions. The more alcohol we come under the influence of, the more our emotional state becomes heightened. And if you were happy when you, began, when you began to imbibe in alcohol, then you can often become even more happy. And your joy and your warmth and your courage will increase. But if you are in a saddened state when you begin to, to drink alcohol and come under its influence, then often the sadness and the depression and the gloom of our emotions often we become more upset because of the influence of alcohol. In any case, whether in happy times or in hard times under the influence of alcohol, then when consumed enough and when come under enough influence, it affects the ability to remember well and to remember properly. Alcohol is a depressant and it knocks out our ability to deal with reality clearly. We may produce, alcohol may produce joy and warmth, but it does so because our inhibitions are gone. Uh, alcohol may produce a particular type of courage, but it does so because you forget about the ramifications of your current situation. Alcohol can bring joy and warmth and courage, but it does so by knocking away the ability to deal with reality that is clearly in front of us. That's what it is to come under the influence or to be filled with alcohol. And, and Paul makes the point. He says, don't, 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 be under, don't allow yourself to come under these, such an influence like alcohol, but rather to be filled with the Spirit. The primary influence, the issue is not whether you have alcohol or not. The issue is what's controlling you. And he's making this in the same way that we see this visibly happen with people and their use of alcohol as it continues. So he's making the analogy of saying, hey, here's the deal that the Spirit ought to have, you ought to be controlled even more so by the very Spirit of God. Fullness of the Spirit happens and so when the fullness of the Spirit happens, we see more clearly and interact more clearly with the reality around us. So if you like, if alcohol depresses our ability to interact and see what's the reality that's around us, what the Spirit of God does as we come under the, the, the influence of the Spirit of God, it increases our height and heightens our ability to interact and see what's actually true and what's actually real around us. The Spirit helps us see truth and interact with reality more clearly. A Christian receives the Spirit when they follow Jesus Christ, when they are converted, if you like. When you become a Christian, then you are indwelt by and filled with the Holy Spirit. And as we grow and mature in Christian faith, then we grow in greater influence and understanding of the work of the Spirit in our lives. And as we become more and more aware of the, the acute presence of the glorious person that inhabits the walls of our lives, then it changes the way we view reality and it changes the way we interact with the reality that we see. It changes and transforms our living. 
as the Spirit brings the eternal truth of God and his word to bear on our hearts, then it changes how we live our lives in the here and now. You see the practical implications of saying that when we are filled with the Spirit, that it changes how we live. It ought to. Every single day. It changes how we view the world. It changes how we see the true reality. When we realize that we have the Spirit, when we come under the influence of His Spirit, for instance, we begin to realize as the Spirit of God applies the truth of God to the hearts of the people of God, then we begin to realize that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Because we have a tendency to think that our struggle is against flesh and blood. We think that our struggle is actually against our neighbor. We think our struggle is actually against our spouse. We think our struggle is against our colleagues at work or against our boss. Uh Uh-uh, that's not where the struggle is. You think that that's your reality. That's not your reality. According when when the Spirit of God, when we come under the influence of the Spirit of God and he applies the truth of God's word, then we begin to realize more and more that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And that is where the true battle lies. And those who come under the influence of God are those who are able to recognize and realize and understand that though the the evil forces may come in the physical form of my boss, that it's actually not my boss, that is something far more sinister. That is around and that is at work, that the evil one is lurking. We recognize that there is sin that that, that is lurking around the corner that desires to have you. And this is when the reality of our world becomes much more vivid. It is as the Spirit of God is at work in the child of God. And then we are able to see the realities of the world in which we live in. And much more vivid and much more clearly. And it's only because of the Spirit's opening our eyes. And this is the world in which we live. And of course, it is the Christian's experience that we are able to grow in joy. Because it is as the Spirit of God reminds us of the promises of God that the joy of the Lord increases in the heart of the child of God, is it not? And as you find yourself in your, as you find yourself opening your Bible with your cup of coffee and all of a sudden the promises leap off the page and you find your heart strangely warmed and your joy increase, is that not coming under the influence of the Spirit of God as he, as he makes the truth of God's word more vivid and alive to you? And the joy increases as he warms our hearts by the very promises of God. And are we not those who head into a Monday with great courage? But our courage isn't because the realities of our lives have somehow been depressed or suppressed, but the courage that we experience is because we have the very courage, because the joy of the Lord is our strength, and we are to be strong and courageous because we recognize that we have the very presence and the very power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead at work within you. And is that not the courage of the Christian that makes you get out of bed and makes you live out your day? And so we have joy, and so we have warmth, and so we have courage, and so we have great hope because we know that our Christ who says that he is going away and prepared a place will one day come back and he will make all things new. And is that not the hope of the Christian? As we can continue to grow under the influence of the, of the Spirit, 
we experience great joy and warmth and courage, not because we are depressed from reality or can't deal with reality. We experience joy and warmth and courage and hope because we see reality all the more vividly, all the more clearly. And so we experience these great things and it changes how we live. It changes how we think. We think it changes our behavior. It is to come under the influence of the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit. A couple things about the nature of coming, of being filled with the Spirit is this. The first we notice that it is a command. It's a command, be filled with the Spirit. It's commanded of every Christian. This is not for super Christians. This is not for the special ones. But this is for you if you're a Christian here this morning. And he gives you a command. Be filled with the Spirit. It's a command for all Christians. Secondly is this, that it's ongoing. That it's not a once, a once and done sort of deal. I'm filled with the Spirit. No, we continue to be filled with the Spirit. It's an ongoing thing for the whole of our Christian experience that we are continually being filled by the Spirit. We are either in our lives grieving the Spirit or being filled by the Spirit. We are either grieving the Spirit and because we're not listening, we're not cooperating with the Spirit, or we're being filled by the Spirit of God, by His Spirit. We are, to be, we are commanded to be filled by the Spirit. Being filled by the Spirit is the ongoing experience of the Christian. And thirdly is this, that it's subject to degrees that it doesn't happen all at once. In the same way that getting drunk doesn't happen all at once. You don't take one sip of beer and all of a sudden you're completely gone. Not for most, at least. It happens by degrees. And as you continue to grow and understand the work and recognize the hand and the voice of God, then you recognize his movement and you're able to grow in that. But also, this is where some churches get wildly messed up or even some, some Christians where we go and maybe we go away to a camp or maybe we go away to a retreat and we have this um, wonderful experience of the outpouring of the very spirit of God. And all of a sudden we think that to be the Christian norm, that that needs to be our experience, that that needs to be, no. The filling of the Spirit happens in degrees and there are moments and there are times when the Spirit of God ministers to your heart and speaks to you in such a way that he may not in other times. But that, not ought to settle, unsettle you. that should not unsettle you because it's just, it, is, it is the work of God as he fills our lives as he, it, we are commanded to be filled. It is an ongoing exercise for the Christian and it is subject to degrees of the Christian experience. So we want to be filled with the Spirit so that we can live our lives as wise and that we can live our lives well. We understand that being filled by the Spirit is to see reality more vividly and more clearly. Then how is it that we can be filled by the Spirit? Three things quickly. How is it that we are filled by the Spirit? First is this, that we give consent. We give consent to the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit does not mean I get more of the Spirit, but rather that I'm allowing myself, <clears throat> I'm giving more of myself to the Spirit and to His work. Being filled with the Spirit happens as we continually choose to live under the influence of the Spirit. There are, in Greek, as there are in English, there are active commands and there are passive commands. An active command may be go to the store and get a jug of milk or, <clears throat> or go fill that hole with dirt. Those are active commands. But this command, this is a command that God gives, but it's a passive command. You can't go fill yourself with the Spirit. 
But rather it is be filled. There's a command, but it's a passive one, which means God is the one who actually does the filling by his spirit. So what it means for us is that we need to be in a position where we are willing to be under the influence, and then we will be filled. There are two truths that come from this statement, and that is this, that the Holy Spirit is ready and willing to fill us at any moment. Right? So if, we are to, if God gives us a passive command, he says you need to be ready to be filled by the Spirit, which implies that God is always ready to fill. And second, that we must make ourselves available to him. We need to, God is always willing to fill us. We must make ourselves available to him. When our need to be filled with the Spirit becomes our great desire, then we will be filled over and over and over and over again every single time we come and pursue him. We need to give consent. We need to put ourselves under the influence of the Spirit. Or we're putting ourselves under the influence of some other desire. Give consent. Second is this, to make contact. To make contact. If you... A few weeks ago, we had the great privilege of being able to take our, our staff to a Twins game together as sort of a team building, and so we did so, and it was a lot of fun for us. We had a great day. It was fantastic. The Twins got killed by the Astros, but other than that, it was a great time for us, and as I was on my way down to the, to the stadium, I was, thought I would plan well, but I didn't plan well because it was a day game, and then there was, there was people that work there. I don't know if you know this. There's people that work downtown Minneapolis during the week, and they take up parking spots. My normal spots that I go to park at were all full with, you know, people and, and cars. And so I'm trying to drive around and it took me a half hour to finally find a parking spot that was like 10 blocks away that I was hoping that by at the end of the game, my car would still be there because I wasn't quite sure if I was allowed to park there. But I did and my car was there and I got home just safe and sound. And I got into the stadium and I was talking to one of my colleagues. He's like, oh, I just took, I just took the train. I said, oh, that would have been a good idea never occurred to me. You see, you know, you know, the light rail that's there in Minneapolis and uh, the light rail, the way the light rail works, of course, you know this, is there is actually sort of, if you like, three tracks. There's the two track, the track, the two rails that run with the wheels on it, and then there's the one that sticks out over the top, right? That, and that's connected to the electricity. That's where the power is. You know, there's always power in those lines. But if the car isn't connected to the power source, then the car is not going to go anywhere. And so it is with us in the spirit. Like, the, the, the Spirit is always willing to fill. The power is always there for us in the Christian life. The issue is not, is not with the power. The issue is with us making contact with the very power that is always willing to fill, that is always ready for us. And so as we pursue, we must be making contact with the very Spirit of God. We must be working towards Him. Sometimes we live out of contact with the very with the very power of God. And then what happens is we don't feel the very presence of God and God working with us as we need and as, and as, we, as he intended. And so we don't sense his joy. We don't sense his warmth. We don't sense his courage. We don't sense the very things and our hope is diminished in these places. And oftentimes it's because we fail to make contact. We fail to pursue. We fail to come under the influence. And so... It is for us to give consent and to humbly come under the influence. It is us to recognize that the Spirit has power and it's us continuing to pursue Him and to move after Him. And thirdly, it is to cooperate with the Spirit. That every Christian is filled with the Spirit from the moment of new birth. 
But that means the central issue with, with regards to the Spirit is cooperation. It is to follow after. Am I going to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and to let him lead? Or am I going to keep on trying to do things my own way? This was the, the point of our sermon last time we were together. Because this is where the struggle is. This is where the struggle is for all of us. As we find ourselves, am I going to come under the influence and allow him and cooperate with him on his promptings and on his movements? And so my question for you is, have you made any progress in the last seven days since we were together? Have we made any progress in, in, in recognizing the prompts of the Spirit? Has your heart begun to soften? Have you been cooperating and listening to Him? Because that's what it is to be filled with the Spirit. So then quickly, how do we know? What are the marks, if you like, of a life that is filled with the Spirit? How do we know if we are being filled with the Spirit? Paul tells us, Instead, be filled with the Spirit, voice 19, verse 19, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, or songs of the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And submit one to one another out of reverence for Christ. Three things, three marks of the Spirit-filled life. The first is this, singing. We sing. Do you recognize that this is a mark? That Paul says this is a mark of a life that is filled with the Spirit? Look, if you take the influence of alcohol and depressed inhibitions, then what do you get? If you take the influence of alcohol and depressed inhibitions and a strange sort of courage, what do you get? You get karaoke. <laughs> That's what you get. And you get, and you get earplugs, right? Because people are staying alive and, and you don't know why they're alive. Um, you just go, oh my goodness. But to quote a former mentor and pastor of mine, a former boss, Alistair Begg, he said this, dead men don't sing. Spiritually dead people don't sing. It is those who have been made alive by the very spirit of God who find the new song in their hearts. A mark of the Spirit of God is that we sing. And we don't sing many places. I mean, where else do you sing? Maybe you sing in the car. Maybe you sing in the shower. Maybe you sing at that awkward, like, office party where they make you sing happy birthday. Say, happy birthday. I don't even know this person. Why am I singing? It's just it's this weird sort of deal. It's this weird place. It's a weird thing. But in church, all of a sudden, especially if you're new to church and you see the band up here, and they're singing, you watch them rocking out, and you go, and all these people are singing. Why? Because it's a mark of the Spirit of God. Because God, by His Spirit, has made them alive. And they sing the very truths of Almighty God. A mark of the people of God, a mark of the church of Jesus Christ, is that they sing the very praises of Almighty God. It is the mark of our church. It is what we do. It is what Christians do. It is what spirit-filled people do. So if you come here week after week, stone-faced, unmoved by the praises of your people, then I want to remind you this morning that you have a problem with your heart. You can blame it on the band. You can blame it on the songs. You can blame it on the lights. You can blame it on whatever you want to blame it on. But the reality, the fact is, a mark of a spirit-filled person is that you sing the praises of Almighty God because that's what he says to us. And so sing. So sing. I, it's, singing and praising has nothing to do with your voice. It has to do with your heart. It has to do with, and look, I'm preaching to myself because nobody can be more critical of what happens here on a Sunday than me. Nobody can have their worship more devoid than me because it's my job. 
So don't, I'm not trying to be critical, and I'm not trying to be harsh with you. I'm trying to be very clear that a mark of the person who is, who is filled with the very Spirit of God is not that they're waving their hands or, or running up and down the aisles. It is that they're singing praises of Almighty God. So may we be a church that is filled with the praises of the God that we serve. Second is this, that we always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. A mark of a spirit-filled person is that they sing praises to God. A mark of a spirit-filled person is that they give thanks to always in every circumstance and situation to Almighty God because of Christ. We have, I have, and if you're like me, a base ingratitude problem. That most of my problems is because they, they're rooted in my ingratitude for what God has done. Because I find the constant refrain in the silence of my own heart is I deserve better. Or I don't deserve this. Have you noticed those in your life? I deserve better than this. I deserve a better car. I deserve a better wife. I deserve better children. I deserve better clothes. I deserve a better boat. I deserve a better head. Fill in the blank with whatever you think you deserve better. Or I don't deserve this diagnosis. I don't deserve these people. I don't deserve this spouse. I don't deserve, I've been a way better person than this boss. I don't deserve any of these things. Let me tell you, according to the scriptures, what you deserve. God has not treated you as your sins deserve. Otherwise, none of us would be here at this moment. We all would have been zapped to death on the moment of our arrival. But you're here, and I'm here. And so therefore, we ought to give thanks. Regardless of our circumstance, I am prepared to believe that you have challenging circumstances in your life. I know a lot of them because I see you and because I'm privy to your prayers and your requests. But my friends, God does not treat us as our sins deserve. God treat us, treats us by grace because his son came to the cross and died in our place. And so therefore, the response of the church is that we are thankful to God in all circumstances. Because it is a supernatural mark of his spirit that's at work in my life and in yours. And finally this, and you say there's another? There is. It doesn't get easier, friends. Submit to one another. A mark of the spirit-filled church, a mark of a spirit-filled person, is not only that we sing praises to God, not only that we live in gratitude and thanksgiving, but we show it by submitting to God's people. And that's hard, especially when they're wrong. Isn't it? But that's a, that's a supernatural mark of the, of the community of believers that are filled with the very spirit of God. That they learn what it is to live in unity with one another. It is, that, it is not that they sweep truth on the rug, under the rug. It's not that they just turn a blind eye to sin. No, it is that they actually learn what it is to submit to one another and live in harmony with one another. And then all of a sudden we say, surely God's presence is here. Surely God is at work in this place and in these people and in this church. Because how else would people, because I like my opinion and you like your opinion. Otherwise you change your opinion. But these people who like their own opinions somehow are able to come in harmony and unity together. Because why? Out of reverence for Christ, for all that he has done for us. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to have your life transformed by acute consciousness of the glorious person that lives permanently within the walls 
of your life. Friends, you have an advocate alive and at work within you. You have an advocate who is jealous for you. You have an advocate who is wooing you, who is protecting you, who is comforting you, who is with you, who is for you, who has sealed you, who lives in you. What greater resource could you have heading into your Monday than to know that you have an advocate before the very Father, before Almighty God. You have the power of the living God that raised Christ within you. So be glad. So take heart. So be strong. So have courage. So be joy-filled because you have an advocate, the very Spirit of the living God. Let's pray. Father, we come to you imperfect, broken sinners. Saved because of the work of your Son, applied to each of our hearts by your Spirit. And may, as we go and bump along in this journey, as we seek to live lives that are, alive, that are worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we come and ask that you, by your Spirit, will seal us, that you will help us, that you will hold us, that you will empower us, in order that we might be give you all of the praise. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.